Empire Lines uncovers the unexpected, often two-way flows of empires through art. Interdisciplinary thinkers use individual artworks as artifacts of imperial exchange, revealing the how and why of the monolith empire. I didn't even have to tear a little bit so I can see your face because otherwise. <laughs> One, two, three. One, two, three. In this episode, Jamie Ruiz, Mariano Ben Plotkin, and Mariano Ruperta Sonorato from the Freud Museum in London reinterpret psychoanalysis through 20th century Latin American pop culture expanding the practice to radio shows, surrealist photographs, women's magazines, and comic books from the 1960s, like Freud, El Majo de los Suenos, The Wizard of Dreams. My name is Jamie Ruers, and I'm the exhibition curator of Freud in Latin America. I'm an art historian, and I've worked at the Freud Museum for around 10 years. I'm Mariano Plotkin. I work on history, of history of psychoanalysis, and I'm based in Buenos Aires, Argentina. My name is Mariano Rupertus. I am a psychoanalyst and historian from Chile. Part of the narrative of this exhibit is based on a book that we wrote uh, called Estimado Dr. Freud. And we are both head or lead uh, researcher for this exhibit. The practice of psychoanalysis is often told from the perspective of the global north, a theory that has its origins in Sigmund Freud's home in Vienna in the 20th century. South America, though, has been at the forefront of the practice since the end of the 20th, and indeed, Buenos Aires has the highest proportion of psychoanalysts in the world. Can you tell me about some of the founding figures of psychoanalysis? So there are a handful of people who we accredit with this sort of early dissemination of Freud's ideas, one of them being Honorio Delgado, a Peruvian psychiatrist, another one being Hermann Greveschlegel, who was a Chilean physician and met Freud, actually, at a a congress as early as 1896 in Berlin. They didn't necessarily exchange ideas, and this was far before the Interpretations of Dreams was published, so it was pre-psychoanalysis, but it's interesting that they already had this connection. One of the key people in this exhibition is Giuliano Moreira. Who was he? Giuliano Moreira was a Brazilian psychiatrist. His mother had been a slave, and she worked after abolition for a very famous uh, abolitionist in Brazil who paid for Giuliano's studies. And Juliano Moreira became one of the, the probably leading psychiatrists in, in Brazil. He was married to a German woman, and he was able to read Freud in German from very early times. And he's credited for having introduced the study of hysteria, Freud's text, in his bibliography for his course back in 1899. And then he became familiar with Freud's psychoanalytic ideas, and he was one of the diffusers of psychoanalysis in Brazil and Latin America, I would say. And the exhibition begins with the section How to Think About Latin America beyond Spanish and Portuguese languages that are reflective of colonial legacies. Over a hundred languages are spoken in Mexico alone and many people are multilingual. We know that Freud spoke German, French, Italian and Spanish self-taught, but how exactly were these texts translated? There's a variety of ways they were kind of translated. The complete works of Freud were translated as early as the 1920s, although, of course, they wouldn't have been complete because he didn't die until 1939. 
Freud read Spanish, and he was in contact with the translator, Luis uh, López Ballestero, a Spanish person, and he corrected and, and, and made suggestions for the publication of the complete works. People could begin to read it, not just medical professionals, but anybody. That being considered, there were also sort of versions of Freud's case histories that were being produced and widely disseminated from Argentina. And one of them is called uh, Freud al encante de toros, which means Freud available for all or for everyone, which was a 10-volume piece by a gentleman who went by the name of J. Gomez Nerea. His name was actually Alberto Hidalgo. He produced these sort of summary volumes of Freud's key theories, which were called Freud's sexuality or Freud's hysterical cases. And what actually happened was he made up a lot of those cases. So it's not exactly accurate, but it's, it's not a bad thing that was happening. At least it was getting Freud's words out there, even if it wasn't the gospel truth. <laughs> It's interesting, Alberto Hidalgo published under a pseudonym. As we mentioned, he was an avant-garde journalist and a poet. What do his translations tell us about how Freud's ideas were also appropriated locally for, for instance, economic benefit? Hidalgo was living in Buenos Aires at that time, and he said in his own memoirs that uh, was wanted for money, he decided to uh, publish this collection, which meant that he knew that publishing Freudian things would bring money. But the interesting thing is that the parts of Freudian thought that he was more interested in diffusing were the parts that had to do with sex or con dream, with this kind of ancient points of interest for the people. And uh, it was extremely popular. He was republished in many countries in Latin America and then translated into Portuguese and published in Brazil. Freud's name did sell in Buenos Aires, in Santiago de Chile, in Rio de Janeiro, and many others. At the same time, in Sao Paulo, someone came up saying that he was an Austrian person. He was a disciple of Freud and follower of Freud's uh, ideas. He was a, a musical artist, and he has a show of telepathy. And he said that everything was based on Freud which meant that for people, uh, the name of Freud sold, even to, to sell whatever product they wanted to sell. At the same time, it shows that people were not very familiar with the Freudian thought because they thought that this kind of thing were related to Freud. For me, this type of literature is a first step of the self-help literature that we currently can watch. You know, it's amazing because it's not only psychoanalytic treatment, it's learned psychoanalysis. It's a basic clue of the reception of psychoanalysis in Latin America. When you talk about Latin America, let us remember that I mentioned, in fact, a few cities in a few countries. It's not the whole continent. Psychoanalysis was received at different levels of culture. It was a first reception we had to do with the medical circles, and it uh, had to do with the fact that in most Latin American countries, there had not been established tradition of psychiatric school. And therefore, it was easier for doctors to look for different theories in Europe and try to mix everything together. And they mix psychoanalysis with other things that to they may seem incompatible, but for them were not, of course. There was more intellectual, generally speaking, level of reception. It ranged from avant-garde artists who were looking for ways of explaining creativity. The case of the modernist in Sao Paulo was best known. To uh, other intellectuals who were using Latin America to explain different aspects of the process of modernization and the problems that modernization generated. And then there is a, this popular reception of psychoanalysis, which had to do with the fact that psychoanalysis could be understood as a theory which was at the convergence of ancient traditional points of interest like dreams, sex, and other things with a modern scientific theory. And that was easy to 
mix these levels. So this is why you find well, the Gomez Narea collection and the Idilio here and the many others. So many of the objects in this exhibition speak specifically to dreams, which makes me think a lot about magical realism. Dreams and sex, these are the two <laughs> points that were made psychoanalysis so interested for people, because it became integrated into a larger literature of sexology and interpretation of dreams and different things. So it was part of this cultural complex. Absolutely, and you really acknowledge the two-way flows in this practice. We know that Freud read widely from books in his collection, especially by the Brazilian psychoanalyst Julio Perez Porto Carrero, a disciple of Moreira, who you mentioned, and the founder of the Society of Brazilian Psychoanalysis in 1928. There's one letter in this exhibition that's really fascinating to Gustavo Pereira de Silva, where Freud writes of being indebted to him but unable to express his gratitude in the preface, the introduction or the recommendation, basically the credits of any of his works. Was there an active effort by European thinkers to write out the contributions of certain people from history? I don't think there was necessarily an active effort to remove this kind of narrative from the canon of psychoanalysis, but I do think that it's a much lesser known story around Europe and particularly around North America, the impact that Freud had in regions such as Latin America, which would go on to be extremely profound and turn out to be one of the, the global centres today. So really important sort of um, narrative that's missing. And that interest is really reflected in the popular culture of the time. We can listen to radio shows by Pereiro de Silva in the vein you've written of Dr. Fraser Crane. There are also magazines like Idilio, which was co-authored by a pair from Europe and from Argentina. Here, though, there's also a comic book, Freud El Majo de los Suenos, The Wizard of Dreams. Can you tell me about this book and how it came to be part of this exhibition? Yes, so the comic book is actually part of a, a big series called La Vida Illustresa, the Illustrious Lives, where this comic series would explore different key figures in history, you know, people like Nostradamus or Nikola Tesla or, I don't know, Florence Nightingale. And number 88, in 1963, they chose to publish a kind of comic book version of Freud's life and focusing on his case studies of dreams. And they're incredible because they show these images of actually people's limbs turning into animals him discovering the unconscious, but all sort of written in Mexican-Spanish in this kind of film noir style. You mentioned surrealism. There are also works by the photographer Greta Stern, who created photo montages for that magazine, Idilio, which illustrated the dreams of readers. Who was Greta Stern? So Greta Stern was a German-Argentine photographer. She emigrated from Germany in 1933 upon the Nazi rise to power there. She was of Jewish descent herself, and she'd studied under the Bauhaus group in Germany. She'd married this Argentinian photographer named Horacio Coppola, and they moved to Argentina together and ended up setting up their own graphic design studio. In the late 40s, she was commissioned by a women's magazine, a kind of equivalent of like a Cosmo Today or something, where they had a regular article called Psychoanalysis Will Help You. Women would write in their dreams and they'd be analysed. And she created these surreal photo montage pieces showing scenes from the dreams. And some of them are just incredible. Some of them have women standing on top of planets or their legs turning into elephants' legs. Or my favourite, a woman standing next to a man who's holding a cigar, but his head has turned into the head of a turtle, which I really like because it kind of puts the man in the position of the other as opposed to the woman. But they're really kind of fascinating, subversive, satirical artworks and very much 
much brought them to a very different sector of society. Stan's photographs are placed in conversation, really, with the image of Hermann Grave Schlegel. These are two people who have clear connections to Germany. Can you talk about some of the links between Europe and South America at that time, at the end of the Second World War? Yeah, he was uh, one of the first psychiatrists in my country, in Chile, born in a German family, speaking in German. This factor helped to understand and doing contact with Freud. And he came to Europe to understand the new advance in uh, psychiatric help. And this is the reason why in that picture, Greve assists to a congress in psychiatry and with another physician and met Freud. And returns to, to Chile in private practice psychoanalysis and then trying to spread psychoanalytic ideas to prevent mental illness. Certainly, and there's so many shared but different experiences of exile in this exhibition, whether it be Stern leaving Germany to move to South America, or also with respect to Idilio, the Italian sociologist Gino Germani, who was one of the co-authors who had escaped from fascism in Europe. Argentina in particular is a country of immigration, so you have not everybody, but a lot of people, particularly in the urban areas, are children or grandchildren of immigrants, including myself. Gino Germani had escaped from fascism, and he tried at some point to integrate certain aspects of psychoanalysis into sociology. He was expelled from the university by the Peron government, together with his associate, who was Enrique Butelman, from a Jewish family, and they were looking for a job. And this guy, Cesare Civita, who was the owner of the magazine, hired them. I talked to Chivita, and he said that he did it because uh, psychoanalysis sold at that time. <laughs> you know. And uh, the column is interesting because it not only includes the dreams that the readers are sending to, to be analyzed, and Greta Stern, the photographer, would illustrate the dreams, but also it includes a part in which uh, authors, Butelman and Gino Germani, under the collective pen name of Richard Rest, were uh, explaining what psychoanalysis was about in a very, I would say, accurate way. So it means that women, because it was a, a women's magazine, were interested in knowing about psychoanalysis and were interested in having their dreams. In other episodes of Empire Lines, we've looked at Freud's engagement with objects from China and objects of classical antiquity. Here, we do see some objects, some sent by Delgado, who you mentioned earlier, and also the Barro Negro Madonna, a head of Madonna in black clay from Mexico that was actually owned by Freud's daughter, Anna Freud. What purpose did these objects serve in his practice? So the majority of pieces in Freud's collection are from ancient Greece, Rome, and Egypt. But there's this very tiny little group of pieces from uh, Latin America, literally one or two. And there's actually one piece that we couldn't get for the exhibition. It's in the Sigmund Freud Museum in Vienna of a Mexican idol. But we have this beautiful Peruvian vessel, uh, which was a gift from Honorio Delgado. Historically, they would have been used for kind of funerary situations. They would have been buried with people of high ranking. Although we don't have Freud's own provenance of any of them. We don't have a record of where he got his Mexican statuette from. And similarly for Anna Freud's Barra Negro, um, head of the Madonna, we don't have the provenance of where she collected this, except it's such a different style to the other ones, which are two sort of ancient pieces, whereas her piece is very much mid-20th century and shows a very feminine figure, a comparison to the two sort of male figures. This exhibition is also thoroughly contemporary throughout the house. We find these interventions, interruptions, vivid woodcuts by the Brazilian poet and artist Jose Borges, and also works by the Mexican multimedia artist Santiago Borja. What do you think an exhibition like this does to decenter or perhaps broaden 
our understandings of practices like psychoanalysis. This side of the exhibition shows us the long road of concerns about our nature as a continent, helping us to understand our nature uh, as a culture, helping to do in contact with psychoanalysis about the, the first step of the mind, the first step of the continent, or unconscious part of the different phenomena. And this is, for me, the link between artists and psychoanalysis, because artists reflect uh, drives, uh, motivation, you know, the, the side dark of us. It's contemporary, you know, because today, currently, different artists, uh, you know, follow these kind of answers. Thank you ever so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much for having me, Elena. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for, for taking your time to... Freud and Latin America runs at the Freud Museum in London until the 14th of July, 2024. For more, you can read my article. You'll find all the links in the episode notes. Empire Lines is produced by Jelena Sofronievich. For more episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.